0: Hello and welcome to episode 1092 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, August 25th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined today by Sarah Langs of MLB. She's been on the show before. Sarah, it's great to talk with you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. You know, I remember, I think... The last time I spoke with you, I was in our office at MLB. I found a new conference room to go sit in by myself to talk to you. We'd been in that new office at that time for probably a couple of weeks. This was early in 2020. I'm thinking about how much has changed. Little uh, things
0: have changed a little bit since then.
1: <laughs> just slightly. But yeah, great to talk to you and see you this time which is great. So, That's
0: right. Thank you for joining me. Uh, obviously people know where to find you, but I'm going to let them know just in case we have a few souls out there who are like who is this? Sarah Langs slangs on sports on Twitter, on MLB. She's been with ESPN, CSN Chicago, SNY TV, Mets blog. Her tweets are amazing. Guarantee you've seen at least one of the tweets if you don't follow her and you've learned something from them. You're the StatCast Queen. I don't know if you've been officially called that, but that's my nickname for you. That's how we refer to you in my stream. We're always bringing you up. And I got to be honest, I'm going to suck up a little bit we're always rooting for you and your lists on the top 10 shows. I watch those on my Twitch stream
1: thank and we're always you.
0: waiting to see where Sarah's list is, is going to be a lot of fans for Mike too. And everyone's saying, oh, I got Mike's list. I got Sarah's list. So we usually debate between y'all two lists as far as the sabermetric panel. And I've always love you on those uh, top 10 shows.
1: Oh my goodness. That's a lot of pressure to know people are rooting for these lists. I had no idea. You don't let but us down. You.
0: Don't worry. You don't let us down. But, uh i want to talk about some things and it's funny because i was listening to your show your podcast uh, and you are on the ballpark dimensions pod you do an episode with mandy bell every week uh mike Petriel and matt meyer do the other episode and i was listening to the Queto thing i was like i'm going to ask her about this and i'm going to ask her about the 15 percent k rate and literally right as i said that in my head you're like the crazy thing about him is that he has a 15 percent strikeout rate <laughs> so let's talk a little johnny Cueto, like you I'm very excited by what Cueto has been doing. He has a 258 ERA, a 116 whip, but he has that 15% K rate, Sarah. And listen, you don't have to strike everybody out to be successful, but you usually need to be better than 15% in today's game. How's he doing it?
1: You know, I think a lot of it is you kind of, you mentioned the whip, you know, that's not Justin Verlander, but that's still a pretty good number in today's game. And I think a lot of it for him is keeping guys off base in terms of not walking guys. He's getting a lot of chases, so he is kind of succeeding outside of the zone. So even if his chases lead to a pop out or ground out Mm -hmm. as opposed to like a strikeout as we would more typically expect. I do think that's working. I think the defense behind him is helping him. I don't know off the top of my head exactly where the White Sox ranked. I mean, I might look right now as I speak, but I don't think of them as one of the best defensive teams but I do think they have to be helping him, uh, think, just right? mathematically, based on what's going on here. Um, and they are, yeah, they are 25th, wow. excuse me, tied for 24th and outs above average. But I wonder if we take a look at behind pitcher, if he's their best. So apologies to everyone that I'm doing Live researching. Oh,
0: no, that's okay. You can do it by pitcher because I've always wondered that too. And and I always look at those leaderboards and you can sort by infield, outfield that yes. you can figure out the pitcher. I wonder if they if they are playing better because so play. it would make sense
1: to behind him. There you so go. It doesn't have to do with him specifically, it's kind of just uh anecdotal, but it's mm-hmm. while well, he's on the mount, so it doesn't have to do with his defensive play. But they're plus two when he's on the mound. They're plus three with Kopech, uh plus five with Vince Velasquez. Good for Vince. Yeah, he and, needs uh, it. Plus one for Jose Ruiz, and then zero or negative for everybody else. So that is certainly helping him. But I also think, as I said on the podcast with Mandy, there's something about Johnny Cueto that's so intangible. That makes him so much fun and does make him good. Mm -hmm. He has this team leader way about him and the exact opposite of kind of a quiet leader like Mike Trout or Paul Goldschmidt who leads by being really good and uh, just being that quiet MVP. Johnny Cueto has that goofball kind of energy. (laughs) He does a shimmy on the mound, Mm -hmm. and he, he just seems to find those winning ways. So, you know, that doesn't explain why he is having success with a first percentile whiff rate, which is <laughs> wow. truly incredible. But I do think that it's working for him. And I also think there's something to be said for different looks. I mean, we saw a guy like Kyle Hendricks be so successful for so long, mm-hmm. really until this entry this year, as a guy who doesn't throw hard. We have Zach Granke, we have Adam Wayne, right? There aren't that many guys. do that these days so it's almost like by being able to do that and not throw hard you keep guys off balance it's the reason that not every position player pitching gets totally let up because it's not so easy to hit you know 85 miles an hour
0: Especially when you've been gearing up for all the mid-90s the rest of the Mm -hmm. game, too. And, you know, with Guido in the defense, this, again, would be anecdotal and and something you hear players say. But with the 15% K rate, that means the ball is in play all the time. Guys are on their toes. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned you didn't mention Cease's name because he's one of the zero or negatives. He's striking everybody out. Again, we can't go too far with it because it is anecdotal. But maybe he puts him in a little false sense of a, a, a sleep over there because he's striking everybody out. Whereas Cueto's got the defense on their toes all the way through the game. So I don't know. It's working. And listen, let's just be honest. There's a little bit of good luck there, too. There's no doubt about it. And I love it because Cueto's very easy to root for. Uh, you tweeted that Jordan Montgomery has tied with three others for the fewest runs in his first four starts with a new team with just one. Uh, Kent Maeda recently did it when he joined the Dodgers, Fernando Valenzuela with the Dodgers and George McQuillan. I forgot to write his team, but that was from 1907. I want to say it was Philly. Um, I don't know anybody's looking up George McQuillan. So <laughs> Maeda's most recent and then Fernando Valenzuela, most people know them. Now the move looked amazing for St. Louis at the time. I really, really liked it and it's played out as such. But what about the Yankees side? Did they have enough pitching to afford this? How did the how did the deal strike you when you first saw it for the Yankees? Did you think, like I did, another pitcher was coming? Or hey, they just wanted to get a great defensive center field. What do you think about the Yankees side of this Jordan Montgomery equation?
1: You know, I think a lot of people were very down on it from the Yankees side when this happened. I didn't feel quite the same way because I don't think people give Harrison Bader enough credit how electric and uh, exactly i think we do i think it's kind of like the stat community is maybe a little bit more aware of him than the everyday because he's not hitting very well and of course he's hurt right Mm -hmm. now but my first thought was that he will make some incredible catch in you know an alcs game but they do have to get there and he has to get healthy yeah, so. that, that,
0: that's the big thing right now with, with Bader. And then what about their pitching, though? Did, could they afford Because yeah. I like the Bader piece. I do like that. It was, who are they going to backfill with? Because I guess I've always been a big Jordan Montgomery fan. So I saw it as a big loss. Bader's a good gain, but who was going to pitch there? I kept feeling like maybe something fell through for another pitcher, but maybe Domingo Herman was their option all the way.
1: Maybe. I mean, it did seem like, you know, they had probably wanted Luis Castillo. That didn't happen. The Mariners swooped in there. They did get Frankie Montes, who, of course, you know, in his first few starts, got off to the complete opposite start. You know, I saw something the other day with a screenshot someone tweeted out. It might have been uh, Jordan and Jake from Suspo's Barbecue. Uh of uh, the fact that he was trending with Sonny Gray. You know when show <laughs> shows trending and that has another yep. topic? That's not what you want. But <laughs> no, you don't. Frankie Montes is a good pitcher. Overall, mm. he pitched pretty well his last time out. I think the bigger issue is that at the time of the trade and with getting Montes, I do think they were in a good spot. But what you can never account for is the fact that there are injuries. And today, as of this recording, it appears that Nestor Cortez is going Mm -hmm. to go onto the injured list with a groin injury for the Yankees. He hasn't been nearly as good as he was, you know, in the first two months of the season, but he has looked better again lately. And I think that's the part where you worry about it on August 2nd. You say, "Okay, they look good right now. But how will they look in a month if Mm -hmm. one guy gets hurt, two guys get hurt, you know, whatever else it might be. So they're certainly not in the most ideal spot. But also, Jordan Montgomery is going to allow more runs at some point. True, (laughs) true. And, you know, I I think maybe based on how you prefaced it, you may have been higher on him than I was just overall, I mean – you know, I saw him as a good piece in that rotation. But at the time when he was traded, I wasn't sure that numerically he was going to be in a postseason rotation. Of course, then we found out with the new postseason schedule, we were off days. So now he might have been, but I can see why he was kind of that missing or, uh you know, first man out. Yeah, expendable piece
0: say. for them. They did see, hey, and and listen, Herman has pitched well. He had a bad first outing coming back uh, off the IL, and I want to say it was in Houston for Domingo home run. That's not a tough. Uh, that's a tough landing spot for anybody. And he's been pretty good since. So maybe they feel okay. We can we can bridge that gap. Maybe a Clark Schmidt fills in for Nestor Cortez. They have some arms. I, like I said, or as you mentioned, I do like Jordan Montgomery a lot. I like the fit in St. Louis. I thought maybe they should have had a little bit more reinforcement there, but it's still a very good team. And I do think most of their poor play recently was a blip more than anything else. As far as like, like standard regression that all kind of came compacted at once there. And then the sky is falling. You know, anytime it's New York, the sky is falling. Uh, Let's talk a little O'Neal Cruz, the highs, Are amazing. You were early on tweeting out the 122.4 mile per hour hit yesterday that we were all freaking out about, fast as ever on Statcast. And I believe it was Mike who said that could be make it a reasonable case for the hardest hit ever. Just generally speaking, on the trajectory of players getting bigger, faster, stronger, it's not unreasonable to think that that might have been the hardest hit literally ever. However, the lows with him cannot be ignored. O'Neill Cruz has a 39% K rate a 6% walk rate and a 249 Babbitt in a world where anything under 300 really starts to get to be a problem, but it's 205 plate appearances. He's 23. The tools are remarkably loud. He had a decent 23% K rate at double and high a for 684 plate appearances. Do you have any concerns about the swing and miss and, and, Uh, whether or not it might stifle the growth of O'Neal Cruz, or does he have such loud skills that he can overcome that with the power? And then, of course, with his defense uh, and, and speed, being able to give him extra benefit on other sides of the ball.
1: He certainly has the flashy tools, as you said. I do worry about swing and miss. I mean, generally guys who come up swing and missing that wildly, tend to not necessarily be able to figure that out at the MLB level. You know, maybe it's because when we're recording here, I'm watching a Cubs game, but I think of a passion wisdom. Yep.
0: I I thought you were going to go bias because he came up and he had a 42% K rate and he did figure it out a bit, but he never really became – uh, a contact guy, right? And now, of course, we're yeah. seeing his swing and miss rear its ugly head again. So I thought that's where you're going. But Patrick Wisdom, yeah, yeah he has the I power, mean, but it's like a 35% K rate, so it puts a
1: cap look, on him. I mean, Bias is probably a better example, uh, <laughs> but I was thinking Wisdom just because he does hit the ball really hard in that way, kind of like O'Neill Cruz. Not 122.4. <laughs>
0: Few people can do that.
1: Are. But, you know, what I look at with him beyond the swing and miss is the fact that he has a 51% ground ball rate, you know, and in his career it's 52%. He hits the ball on the ground a lot, and that's the part that kind of concerns me. So his sweet spot rate, 28% right now, that's basically making ideal launch ankle contact He's below the MLB average Mm -hmm. for someone with the ability to hit as hard as he does. It's kind of like Vlad Jr. when he first came up, you want him to hit in the air more. And I'm not exactly comparing them because Vlad's play discipline was always better than what we've seen from Cruz so far. But I think right now, unfortunately, he's a little bit more really viral player. Mm -hmm. The type of player who I think non-baseball fans know because they see him on Twitter, on Instagram, and what have you. But I'm not sure that he's really putting it all together right now. And I hope he can. I hope he can figure it out at the MLB level. Because when I look at stuff like his expected stats, they basically correlate with what he's doing he's hitting 199 his expected batting average is 209 so that's based on the quality of contact all that contact we're talking about he should only be hitting about 209 he's slugging 398 his expected is 383 Mm -hmm. so all this is to say there's no bad luck involved here Mm -hmm. for him if anything, maybe some good luck with the slug, which makes sense when you hit it that hard. True. Guys can't necessarily field it. But even to the point, I mean, he actually is a, he is just a slightly above average hard hit rate. He's at 44%. And, you know, uh, league average is going to be around 36 or so. So, for all that he does, he's not making that contact constantly. It's just mm-hmm. that when he does, it's very uh, hard to mess.
0: Yeah, it's massive. And O'Neill Cruz is special. We're not writing him off. He's 23. No. Uh, so we would never go that far. But it is something to keep an eye on, especially for fantasy folks, because we invest big. And we in today's game, you have to invest early. You don't get to wait until his samples stabilize and he becomes a good player. If you want O'Neill Cruz, you got to jump. And even next year, coming off of this year, I think he'll be an expensive fantasy piece because people want that flash. Uh, let's end in your wheelhouse as the StatCast queen. Uh, a hitter and pitcher performing under the radar this summer that, uh, that their StatCast advanced metrics are something that you want to highlight for us. So they don't have to be super fantasy relevant, just a player, hitter, pitcher that that is really starting to, maybe going to get that Sarah Lang's tweet that's going to put him on the map soon.
1: Well, I mean, uh, first off for a pitcher, uh, probably would have been uh Johnny Queto even though he's <laughs> not statcasty. Uh but I won't quite go there. Um, you know, let's look at I mean, how about Stephen Kwan? I mean, he's not a yeah. typical stat cast, but I love the play discipline. I love him being, you know, leading the majors in rate, which is still a stat cast thing and you know there's so much talent in that american league rookie of the year race and he's not going to win he's also not going to finish second he's going to finish either third or fourth mm-hmm. with bobby witt jr being the other third or fourth guy who by the way is hitting the ball very he's, hard lately. yeah he's
0: doing very well too what a, what a race wow
1: yeah and, and then, then Adley, and Julio. Adley and Julio. Of course, it'd probably be Julio. Adley is really good, too. You can make a case for either, but you know, Stephen Kwan has the type of game that you know, we were sitting here talking about O'Neill Cruz. He is the complete opposite <laughs> in <laughs> yes, anyways, he is, right? And we know what goes viral and it's O'Neill Cruz, and rightfully so, but how about uh, you know, Stephen Kwan getting some more love? So I feel like he's the guy who stands out for me and for pitchers and uh love me some johnny cueto but he's not exactly a stack cast uh, but
0: we but we love we, him anyway
1: we do we do um but if we're talking about someone to keep an eye on i mean let's see i'm trying to think of a really good stat to kind of pull out there but you know, someone who I have really enjoyed watching is certainly Alexis Diaz, you know. Oh, yes. We it, talk a lot about Edwin. And I was going to say, traffic. with Big
0: Bro going crazy, Little Bro needs exactly. some love. So Alexis Diaz, closer in Cincinnati, give us some thoughts mm-hmm. on what, can he can he really follow in Big Brother's footsteps and be one of the pre- premier closers in the game, do you think?
1: I mean, he is a really great seamer, and is, I believe, the lowest opponent batting average, depending on you know qualifiers, all of that. Mm-hmm. and he gets really good results on that it'll be interesting to see you know his uh closing chances have been kind of random scattered whatever you want to say as you mentioned he's on Cincinnati who are only like six games i believe under 500 since that 3 and 22 start which That's is crazy. very impressive it really is look at that the other day but even still they're not great right? Um, but he is really electric and I do think he has a chance, but what I want him to do is find a, uh, walkout song. Yeah, we need, that's brothers. the thing. We need something.
0: That's the thing. He needs to spend the whole off season, not tweaking his slider or making sure that he's healthy finding an awesome song to go yeah. with uh, the narco song for edwin diaz it's amazing and Quan, you mentioned you know i i, I ruffled a few feathers on twitter uh when i said that luis Arise is steven kwan with 100 points of babbit back in june and i stand by that it wasn't a diss on anybody it wasn't a diss on a rise it was really mm-hmm. a promotion of Quan. and literally since that tweet uh, quan has been better and they've been basically wow. the same player, uh, but they've hit 3, 9, 314 for Quan, 299 for a rise, 1.9 more for Quan, 1.3 for a rise. They've been the same player because they are the same player. And I like those two. And listen, yeah. they're not as relevant in fantasy because they don't have as much power. But if you have the right build for them, their big batting average can really help your team. So it's all about team construction with those two. But I agree, Quan needs some love. Remember, first week of the season, everyone was going crazy for him. The league adjusted, and he had a little bit of a tough uh, tough time for a couple months after that, particularly May. He went all the way down to a 173 average with a 177 BABIP. So he was pretty unlucky, and he's been great since. So Stephen Kwan, Alexis Diaz, two very fantasy-relevant players. Sarah, you're the best. I appreciate you coming on so much. Again, Slangs on Sports is where people can find you the ballpark dimensions podcast with mandy bell you guys do an episode each week matt myers and mike uh mike petriello do the other episode it's an excellent podcast and i'd mm-hmm. love to talk with you again maybe during october during the playoffs and get some uh get some nuggets from the Statcast queen
1: absolutely thank you so much great to chat with you